Oh man, I missed it. I hit the wrong button wrong. Wrong button. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hood. And we're back in action. I'm out doing stuff. Uh, Ran to, well actually, I gotta back up a little bit. So on Monday, Robert from Zico comes in and a bunch of us go out to dinner and Robert's on his way up to uh, Idaho to go see Jeff and Zico stuff and talking Zico and all that stuff. So that was cool. And then I said to Randy, I said, hey man, I got to go get four wheeler side by side, whatever you want to call it um, for the range, you know, and I talked to somebody with Mike, but it's like Texas and this and apologies for like not following up, but it was wrong time and everything. But anyway, um, so I talked to Randy. I'm like, hey, who do you use? And he's like, oh, right here in Denver, son. And I'm like, oh, Sun Enterprise. Okay, cool. It's close to my house. Um, and I'm like, all right, cool. So I go in there and I see Ron, Ron the owner. Nice. Thank you, Ron. In, in uh, Scooter or Scotty there, he takes care of me. And man, I really want like a Razor or a Can-Am. And it's like, oh, look at that. That's like the, the Porsche, the race car of the side-by-sides. I'm like, ooh, look at that one. And I'm like, hmm. This little ex-commander, can I put some stuff in the back? Yeah, I kind of can. I'm like, no, you got to be practical. So I ended up getting a Kawasaki mule. I mean, with the, I mean, you're throwing steel in the thing. You're running around and paint targets. So thank you to Son and hooking me up. And Ron totally took care of me off uh, Randy and all that. So thank you guys uh, for getting side by side. And we'll have that out at the range finally, and I won't have to go paint targets in the Porsche no more. So uh, that's a good thing, and and that was going on. Ran to the range. I had something else I was going to do too, and I don't remember what it was, but anyway. I ran to the range and checked out the first loads for the Valkyrie, right? So we'll talk a little Valkyrie today, and, and I'm going there and, and what's going on. And so... Back up the story, the whole thing, and I'll kind of bring you in and up to speed where I'm at. So I'm talking Valkyrie with you guys. Valkyrie, Valkyrie, Valkyrie all the time, right? I'm like, hey, man, you guys should try this and do that because I'm busy. I'm running around. You know, I'm not here. So in my reloading stuff was at the other house. Really, that was another, right? But it's here now. So anyway, I'll get into that. But so I go out, go in, and I hadn't really come across anybody who's run the Valkyrie different than I have. Like Chris Roberts, he has Valkyrie guns. Red Beard makes him really great Valkyrie bolt guns. And Roberts, every time there's a class or something that I've been with CR2, they have a Valkyrie there. So the Valkyrie's been really, really good as a learning gun, as a teaching gun, as a demo gun. I mean, it just works. No recoil, cheap ammo. I mean, the whole thing. It just, it's it's perfect. So, I'm telling you guys, hey, man, I'm still a Valkyrie fan. I know it's a dead caliber. To me, it's going to go the way like the 6.5 Grendel. It's not, I mean, in the 6.5 Grendel should have never been a 6.5 Grendel. 22 Grendel, 6 mil Grendel. Same thing with the 6 by 47, right? 6 5 by 47, in my mind, should have been the 6 by 47. Turn it into a 6 by 46, and boom, you got a 6 GT. We all know how that works, right? So, anyway. So to me, the Valkyrie, I got an investment in it, but not a big investment. You know what I mean? It's small, but I really like the caliber. So I'm playing with it. I finally get my reloading stuff here. I bring it down. I, I'm talking. So anyway, got to back up a second too. So now in classes, 
you know, most people I see don't really have the Valkyrie with handload. So now I go to Pennsylvania. Kevin there shows up and he's got an MPA tricked out in a Vision chassis Valkyrie. All done up. Nice gun. Right? So then he says, hey, Frank, I handloaded these guys, 85 fives. And they're 2950 with 28 grains. Now, he's one six off the Ojad. Uh, anyway, so 28 grains, whole thing. So now that weekend, I'm in Pennsylvania week. I'm shooting this rifle. And I'm loving the way this thing shoots. I mean, it's a laser 7.7 to 1,000 at sea level. I mean, it's working. And I'm holding a lot less wind. And we had wind in Pennsylvania. We had some good wind in Pennsylvania. And I'm holding less wind than most people. So I'm like really digging this. I'm high on Kevin's Valkyrie load. So excited. Talk to you guys. Come back here. I'm over. Boom. I load these guys up. Test them out. Boom. I knock a couple out. 20, 30 rounds or so. And I do the 28.8 or 28 grains even. A CFE. Now everybody's been hitting me up on the temp stable thing. Thank you for the information. I got one guy telling me he's a half mil in a 25 degree swing at a thousand yards with um, CFE. So important, right? So Kevin spills his recipe. What's your recipe, Kevin? Well, it's 28 grains CFE, right? 223 at 1.6 ojive with 85 fives. He's using Starline brass. I just have the Hornaday and Federal, the stuff I've been shooting, mostly Federal um, that I'm shooting because I bought 4,000 rounds and I shoot it, so I use the brass. Anyway, boom, 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 full size the brass, knock it out, do this, do that. I put 28 grains in, pop it in. I do 171 and then I do 177, almost 18 for two different loads. I didn't do a ladder test. I didn't do anything crazy. I just went with Kevin's load because it worked. So I did, a, I wasn't sure because I think my barrel might be like, his might be 24, mine's 26, and I didn't know. So we had measured, anyway, my thinking was I went a little longer, 1718, because I got room in the mag. I got a lot of room, actually. Um, in the bolt gun, there's room. So any, so I, I loaded a little longer. Go to the range yesterday, take it out, boom. I'm chronographing. I got the bullet seeker. I'm running the bullet seeker next to a magneto speed. I'm running both because I'm not 100% on the bullet seeker right now, aiming it, putting it. And the way the Valkyrie's set up, I don't have a mount for the bullet seeker on it. I actually got to get like some pick mount or something so I can clip the bullet seeker to it and just kind of move the mount. But I don't have it. So what I did is I, I put it in its... Arca pick rail mount that I told you I bought so you could put it in a tripod. It's got the pick rail mount on it, but you can't just replace it. You know, I tried to take it off. It's not a standard screw pattern or anything and put on like an Arca one and you can't. So anyway, I left their mount, their arms type mount on the bullet seeker. I bought a pick to Arca off of Amazon. So you put the pick into the mount and now you got Arca under it and it actually makes a little like plate and it'll lay flat and the whole thing. So I do that. Then I'll tape it just like seriously, like painter's tape. I taped that as a base on my handguard on the top at like the 12 o'clock position, pointed at the target and I'm, I'm getting numbers and I'm like, hey, this works. So I got it. 
So the Bullet Seeker matched my Magneto speed. So we're looking at two different things. So good numbers, all that. Well, I'm over 3,000. I'm at like 3,075, 3,080. I went up to 3,100. I was like, oh, man, 3,100 with a Valkyrie? Oh, my God. And I'm only doing 28 grains. And Kevin's 28-grain load is soft, man. It was no problem. I look at mine, I got no, on 90% of my brass, I got no marks. But on a couple, I had a swipe, small. So I'm about 45, 50 degrees out here right now. I think it was 50. I got it written down. So I'm going to say that's kind of a hot load. So I'm going to back it off a little bit. But before then, accuracy was so-so. You know what I mean? I was within like three quarters on the one load. I'm going to play with it a little bit and tune it now. But 28 was like 3,100. It was averaged out to 3095, 3085. I did more than one with 28 grain loads. And they kind of right around that 9585. So 3085 with an 85.5 burger. Whoa, screaming. Like I said, my accuracy at first wasn't great. I'm gonna tune it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna adaptive tune it. But and Kevin said he had the same thing. It was easier for him to tune it than try to load tune it. So that, just to let you guys know. Anyway, so I do that. I I get my groups at 100. I get my muzzle velocity because I'm just checking to see where I'm at. You know, where am I landing? All right, I'm landing over what I want. I want 2950s, my goal. I'm at 3185. I'm like, oh man, that's a little more than I want. But I go and I, I I kept a couple rounds in reserve. Well, I tried to go 28.3 too. Before I get too far forward, I didn't know how it was going to go. So I, I threw a couple with 28.3 in it, way too hot. 28's max. So as far as CFE and the Valkyrie goes, because the loads are for gas guns, not bolt guns. But I'm going to say with my rifle, my chamber, the way it's done up, and I'm an early Sammy spec, um, I'm going to say I'm 28 grains is max. Now, if you played with seating, seating depth, you probably can get it where it's happy. But... Where I was, 28 was max. So I'm going to back it down to like 27.5, 27.7, right in there, because I'm going to try to tune it just under 3,000. Like if I get 29.85, I'm happy. Anything between 29.50 and 29.85 to me seems right, I, like from what I'm looking at. So now, groups are okay, it's shooting. I'm looking at it, little heavy charge, okay, little bit. So now I got to play with that just a touch, not bad. So I have a few left over and I punch them out to 600. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what these guys do at 600. And accuracy wise, I just held straight down the pipe and everything hit the plate. Um, so I go to waterline it. I put in like three, two, eight, and I'm high, of course. It's cranking. So I, I go in and I bring it to like two six two five. I, I put it in two five. It's a touch over the line. Two six is probably right. Okay, cool. Two six six hundred tells me I'm going that fast. Everything's good. Now I go into my software just to play around. So I'm sitting there and I go into my software and I plug in two six at six hundred. I roll that muzzle velocity, true it up, trues up where actually I take this back. I put in what the computer gave me. 
The BC is like uh, five four, uh, G1. I was using 545 or 525. I'm, I'm, let's call it 545. I don't remember exactly um, out of the 85 fives. But Burger did have both Gs, and I used G1 for me. Um, so it was it was it was kind of like a 545. Popping in 3100 feet per second, 20 you know 3085. I put in. Uh, 45, uh, 545 BC. I go to the front page, boom, DA, everything's good. Soon as I hit it, it's on. It's like right where it is. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's telling me that's almost where that bullet wants to be at that 3000 feet per second. And I'm basing that not only on what I saw and I have no clue. I'm not, I'm not this guy. You know what I mean? But what I saw and how the gun acted and then putting in the software, how it lined up almost immediately without any budging, kind of says to me, that's where they planned it. So I'm like, okay, that's where they planned it. That sounds good. So I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it. And so I text Chris and Chris, and you know, we got a little group text going on, Robertson and Way. And it's tough, man, with you, Chris, is fuck. I, I got to come up with new names so you guys know who I'm talking about. Because it's like, god dang. It's it's like, what is up with you guys? And there's just so many Chris's, you know? And you can't even do like R because there's more than one R's now. There's going to be like three R's at CR. And so too many Chris's. Anyway, so I text them and he's like, hey, what about the wind number? And I'm like, well, well there really wasn't any wind at the range. It was pretty pretty mellow. And I didn't hold any wind, but let me look. So I know it lined up to six at 600 and I went in this and I go and I roll that number, <laughs> roll that number. Fuck if it don't give me a seven mile an hour gun, seven mile an hour gun. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, it looks to be every bit of a seven mile an hour gun. So I'm continuing to play with the Valkyrie. I now think more than ever the Valkyrie has merit if those guys will get it off the 2750. It does not want to be at 2750. It can it's fine at 2750 if you're running 2750. But because their hand load puts it down to 26s and under 2750, I don't think it works correctly. And I know they subload everything for gas guns. They did the same thing with the 6 arc. They slowed it down to the 24s, 25s, 26s. Okay, they did the same thing with the Valkyrie for the gas guns, the 26, 25, 24 speed limits, and it doesn't work for us. We want speed, speed kills, speed wins, right? So I'm thinking that 2950 is the sweet spot. You get over 29, 2950, but the gassers, if the gassers would run, at your 2750 and above, I think you're okay. This is, and, and Chris and I were just talking about this. It's, there's a case, and you guys have proved it over and over and over and over again. There is a case for tuning the bullet to the right speed. And I think we have more than one speed node that will work, but maybe not work like they want. Like, if you go to the slow speed node, everything's good to 800. But when they talk about pushing it to 1,000, 
We don't see the results like we expect and people walk away from it. So it's that sort of un, unrealistic expectation in one way, but at the same time, it's like they come out and they say, hey, we got this. It's 2750. Shoot it out of your gas guns. You'll love it. And then when you start putting it through the majority of these gas guns, it's not that fast. And that's where the problem comes in. You know what I mean? So now you see all these guys on Sniper's Hide, all these guys scattered around the country shooting the Valkyrie out of a bolt gun. And we're like, whoa, what's the problem here, guys? This thing is awesome. And that's what it is. It's it's a speed. And Chris and I were just talking about that. It's like being able to give people like that speed limit that they need. Like, hey, I'm shooting a 24-inch gun doing this. You want to be here. Like 2,800, 2,850. Hey, I'm shooting, you know, in, in, in that. Well, if you get a guy who can't go there, well, then you got to figure out where you could put him. You know, if you're a 2,650 guy, hey, man, don't do that caliber. But if you're a 2,750 guy, you're all about it. If you're a 2750 guy with a six mil, eh, it's a little on the other end. But if you're a 2800 guy, you're okay. And so it's just to try to like we're gonna look at over this winter and off season. Is there a way to help people tune to what we're seeing? For lack of a better word, works as advertised. So where we'll say, yeah, if you do this, this, and this, and you tune it, you're going to be great to 800. You may struggle eight to a thousand, but when your majority of your shots are six to eight and in, you're okay. You'll lose over here, but you gain over here. Or you say, hey, you're a game gun guy. Your gun's running this fast. Or like me, you can run the gun to 3,200, but don't run it to 29, run it to 2850. You know what I mean? So you kind of have that idea where even like a six creed, if you're reloading for six creed, nothing says you should do 3100. Why can't you do 2950? Why can't you, you know what I mean? You reduce recoil. And then even you can go with these slightly lighter bullets. And I've talked about this a lot. Um, slightly lighter bullet and reduce the recoil and increase the speed. So think about this. Here's my mindset. And again, I've mentioned this a ton. It's probably a broken record for some of you guys, but I think there's merit. It's like a 308. And I talk about this in class. I have a, I have a slide, a presentation in my class where I talk about you choose your bullet based on BC and velocity, right? What bullet are Weight mostly, bullet weight and velocity. People will say, well, I want this weight. And not velocity, BC, I guess, is a better way. I got this weight with a good BC, right? I want a heavy weight with a good BC. I want a 140 with a good BC. And this is, is it burger, horn, who am I, you know what I mean? That kind of shuffle is what people do. And it's VLD versus non, and, and how does that load, right? But what we're really doing, like the 308's the best example of it. 308, we could be down into a 125, 130, up to a 230, Right? You can go from a 130 to a 230 with like a 308, a 30 cal, you know? And that's our swing. Well, we know like Burger 230 is probably one of the best 30 cal bullets we have jacketed, not going into solids, right? 
numbers, BC, weight, everything, the 230 burger is great. Now you could, there's argument for 215, but you know what I mean. We don't shoot them out of a 308 because they're too heavy. We can't get the performance. Even though if you read what they're telling you, they'll tell you, oh, the G7, it does this, it does that. That translates to lower speeds. Does this, it does. Nah, dude, it's velocity dependent. So you go ahead and we know we can't run a 230. So what do we do? We run a 275, or 175 rather. We run a 175. That kind of puts us in the middle between weight and speed and balance. Like today, we know we could do a 185 because we changed the powder. You take 46 grains, a 2000 MR, you run it in a 308 with 185 juggernaut, mag length, it's going to rock. It's right at 2700 feet per second. And it's going to take that juggernaut and it's going to be fantastic with a 308. Better BC, little bit, right? And you're throwing it with some speed, 2700 on a 185. We used to, we're, you know, between 27 or 2575 and 2700 with a 175. If I can do that same thing with a 185, higher BC, you're going to have better performance. So now, this is kind of where I'm looking, where I'm kind of going because we're playing these caliber games. Yeah, everybody's running some variant of a six millimeter, but it's like BRA, BRX, Dasher, Creedmoor, you know, uh, GT. And we're all playing like a cartridge game but in the reality, it's kind of like they know where the happy spot of a six mil is. You know what I mean? They're in, depending on who you're shooting with and talking to, 2850 to 2950 tends to be their sweet spot. Okay? So I got a 100 foot per second sweet spot, and I got six cartridges shooting all the same caliber bullet, whatever you want to look at. So really it's about balancing those. And this is kind of my bitch with like federal, like now, cause we tried to talk to them. We know they can get the Valkyrie faster. And we said to him, Hey man, if you do a Valkyrie 2.0 for a bolt gun and do this and do that and tune your load a little to what we're seeing, we'll support you. Nah, cause it's dead now. It's they threw the ammo away. And they don't care. And it's done. It's just like, we're out, man. You know, and it's like, okay, whatever. But it's like, to me, there's that sweet spot for the six mils. Well, if I'm in a creed, I can do like a 115 David Tub and still hit the sweet spot. You know, maybe if I'm, you know, in that GT, the 110 or the 19 or the 103 or something lighter is easier for the sweet spot speed-wise. So you know what I mean? So having that variety really should just be bouncing bullet weights for that piece of brass to fit that speed model. You know what I mean? If you got like a BRA or something small like that, well, you go to 2850 and you go with a little bit lighter bullet. If you're a six Creedmoor, you can go 2950 with the heaviest bullet. You know what I mean? That's kind of what... Where we're, we were talking, like maybe we can say to somebody, like looking at their data, 
as part of like the rifle craft in the USA. And what we're doing is like, hey man, with your dope, with your rifle, with the way you're calling the wind, if you tuned your load here, probably be a little bit more consistent for you, a little bit more intuitive for you, a little bit more, you know, where it needs to be versus you kind of, you know, just picking a number or finding where it is and maybe it's not tuned for you. You know, some of these guys are they're talking about right now like with the 6.5s, they're slowing them down and then they can see them. You know what I mean? Slow the 6.5 down and watch it. You know, it's still got a certain amount of consistency. It's still working out for them, but if they slow it down, the recoil's less. They can see what's going on and they can watch the bullet go through. And so you're seeing kind of a a lighter number on the 6.5 Creeds because of it. And to me, the 6.5 Creed, right, is still perfect. You know what I mean? Because nobody says it has to go that way. And honestly, I'm I'm completely convinced that Creedmoor, like the center spot for the 6.5 Creedmoor is the 136. That's the center point. That's where, when you're looking at where you want to go, you want to look at the 136 sort of weight scheme first and then decide where your bullet and speed, where you want it to be. Is your barrel a little slower or is your barrel a little faster and where you want to go? If you have a slower barrel, if you're running a Tika and you're hand loading a 6.5 Creedmoor, you should be doing 130s and 123s. You know what I mean? If you're running a game gun with a custom Bartlin and it's 26 inches, well then, yeah, you can go in the 140s to the 150s in there and get the and keep your speed, you know, and that's kind of or play with it a little bit. But to, again, that's kind of where we're playing right now. In order for some, I mean, think about it. Everything these competitors are doing is getting an edge. And what Chris and I are looking at with some of these things we're doing is how do we how do we manage that edge? How do we keep everything we're doing in a place because like I don't want to think about. I don't want to think about my load. I don't want to think about these things. I want to be able to say, this is what I want, which again is like the argument for the tuner. I'm going to build a load and I'm going to have it this length and I'm going to do this and do this to it. I'm going to get it where I want. Yeah, I'll play seating depth a little bit, but I'm not going to fight it. Get me to where I'm in a pretty good spot with seating depth and then put a tuner on and lower it and, and tune it. Now as the barrel and the load changes a little bit, I can just work that tuner. And maybe work that instead of working in the reloading room different, you know. So that's that's something I'm, I'm going to look at all in this offseason, in this time. And that's the beauty of having like Chris in your backyard and coming out and, you know, I get texts from him. Hey, man, Wednesday or Friday, you going to go to the range? Yeah, absolutely, dude. Let's go to the range and we're going to go do this and go do that, you know. And and and, and yeah, let's go and, and we'll come up with something. And, and that's kind of how the conversations go. Hey, man, I mean, that's the beauty of the range. Now I got the I got the I got the mule. I got the mule. Boom. We'll get that mule out there. And we'll be able to paint targets. I know it's lame. It's small. It's like a it's like a, it's like a first world. But it's it's progress. It's a little bit forward. It's a step in the right direction. It's telling you we're committed to doing this right. Right? Boom, boom. Anyway, 
that's where we're at with that stuff. That's where we're, I'll get off the Valkyrie now. Um, that's where we're at with, with all that. But um, next, 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 next. Uh, I should go get the dates here because that would be silly if I didn't. We have announced and put out, and I'm going to put it on Sniper's Hide right after this, two courses at Cameo with Chris and myself. We're going to do two Mountain Hunter type courses, sort of NRL Hunter comp, kind of the, we're bringing the Riflecraft USA to Cameo for two dates. We're doing a March date and a May date. March and May, we're doing a combined Frank and Chris class at Cameo, and it's on the Riflecraft website. It's going through Chris, not me, um, on the Riflecraft website for you to sign up now. Um, the March is like March 20-somethings. I don't have it in front of me, and I'm out in the thing. And May is like May 10s or something, single, you know, one, like 15, 16. But I'm going to, when I, Chris has them on his website. I'm going to go and pull them when I'm done with this. And then I'm going to post them on Sniper's Hide for you to sign up and get that. We already have people signing up. We have people who wanted this course from some of my travels. So you guys from PA who asked, it's there. It's on the calendar. We have a March. We have a May. We're going to be taking the sort of rifle craft model to Cameo in the context of sort of the hunter courses. Working the tripods, working the alternate positions, and doing it from the standpoint where we won't look at you from the wind like we're doing, which we can. But we're going to move around Cameo and use that because that's where like they have the NRL Hunter finale. And so you'll be able to actually see like one of the best ranges in the country, terrain, view, all of that, side-by-sides up the hill, all that stuff with Chris and I doing the class for you and doing that. We are opening up Fort Morgan. Don't worry, we're going to be doing monthly from about that May until October. We'll have a monthly Frank and Chris class as well as probably monthly Mark and Frank classes at the same time. Mark and Frank's will probably fit in between some of our travels. Mark comes down, we'll do the class, um, you know, and, and do stuff like that. But we're, 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 as I've mentioned in the last stuff, we're opening that up. Everything, we have some Sniper's Hide stuff for 2023 already listed. Like we're going to be in Pala in February, right? So Pala's on for 2023 already. So California, we're coming to see you. We'll talk to you soon. And um, then we're going to be putting the other dates and places and, and locations up. And we're going to work those locations up into the Colorado locations. Now, again, I'm going to stress when I go to other places, I can't control those ranges. I can't control what's going on. It, you know, we're subject to what we have resource wise. However, the places we're going to are almost 99% places we've been in the past and so we have a program there and they tend to work and we're going back to a place because it has um volume and a crest why do you want to work on it? it it has it has uh it has the the um people i guess it has the students so we go to these locations because they've been really good in the past however fort morgan fort morgan's easy to come to colorado here is easy to come to flying into denver super simple Firearms, no problem. They have a separate room for you when you leave. Everything's good. They don't care. 
So Denver, firearms, no problem. Denver is roughly, I'm going to call it an hour and 15 minutes to the hotel. It's probably an hour, but I'm going to give you that extra second because you got to come from the connector to the highway. Hour and 15 minutes to the hotels. There's tons of brand new hotels. Fairfield Inns, if you want a little bit better, there's a Hampton Inn. You could tell them you're a shooter. They'll give you a discount. Super 8s, all that stuff. Food right there. We got food and everything right where we meet. Gas stations, food, whatever you got. So you fly into Denver. Hour 15 minutes to exit 80 off of 76, you get your hotel. From there, I'll meet you first thing in the morning to go to the range. It's a 15-minute ride due north one turn to the range. You're there. 15 minutes north, take a left, you're on our road, you pull right in. You just drive straight where it looks like you're going to crash into the field, go through the gate, up to the range. Boom. That's how simple Colorado is. Okay? So, and the prairie dogs are back. I'll give every student a dog. You get a dog in, is, is right now because they're just kind of coming. We want to give them a little break because I don't, I, technically I should be slaughtering them but I want to keep a few around so we can keep shooting them for a bit. But anyway, we've got dogs on the range, and the dogs are between seven and 900 yards. That makes it fun. Seven and 900 prairie dogs? Come on. Used to be like Sunday afternoon, we'd be freaking shooting a mile the whole time. Now it's probably going to be guys who shoot a mile, guys who shoot a prairie dog, guys who shoot a mile, guys who shoot a prairie dog. And we do open up that mile to everybody on Sunday as well. Come to class with your 6'5". On Sunday, if you want to jump on your uh, 338, dope your 338 out, hit the mile, more than welcome. On Sunday, we have some open time. We don't hit you with every minute. We give you some time to play around and do what you want. The dogs, the mile, your other gun, whatever you need to do, we're there to work with you. Have a good time. So the Riflecraft USA stuff, you're going to go to Riflecraft with Chris Way, the Straight Dope Podcast, all his stuff. We have a cameo mountain hunter class coming, two of them, March, May, next year. Um, and it's funny, too. Everybody was bitching about the whole cameo thing, gone. They were booked. I, we couldn't even get a date. They turned around and told everybody it was bullshit, don't worry about it. Now they're fucking maxed out. You can't even get dates there no more. So, you know, some of you guys where I was like, hey, I'm going to do the Sniper's Hide Cup. You're like, fuck no, Cameo's bullshit. You're texting me. Like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. We never do the mag band. You won't have nobody coming. None of us are showing up if you go to Cameo. Now you fucking can't even get a date in Cameo because you guys took it all. And the PRS has like a week of it. And it was all those guys saying they'll never come here because of the mag band rule and it's it doesn't exist. But I, I, I just think it's fucking hysterical of politics and propaganda some of you guys will play um it's just funny but anyway we got fort morgan we're good we're gonna go to nebraska with jake jnm precision and we're gonna do it over there and it's cool over there too so you ain't gotta sweat it nebraska's fun good food a lot of fun man we have a we have a great time in nebraska which is why we're going back and the ride's the same distance really from denver airport you fly into denver airport you go to the Nebraska thing, it's the same as if you fly into Denver Airport and go to Cameo. You know what I mean? You can go to Grand Junction, but very few people fly into Grand Junction. It's a little more money. It's a tiny airport, pain in the neck. Most people get the car in Denver, just drive, and you're right there, straight shot, you know. But Nebraska's the same distance. If you go from Denver Airport, it's like three and a half hours, um, four hours roughly, 
to the Nebraska event. So piece of cake. That's all. That's all. That's all. Anyway, there we are. That's what we're doing with that stuff. So really exciting. Things are happening. We're moving it forward. I rearranged and then I kind of, my, my reloading setup was on one of those triangles and everything in I went and got everything and I just ordered. They came in yesterday and I put them together. Uh, those thick block benches. They're not super thick ones. I got some, you know, cheaper ones, but um, they're still thick block bench. I got better legs is actually what I got. Um, and then I'm going to mount and move my stuff over. So I'm setting up the the sort of garage video area with the reloading stuff and everything. So it actually looks pretty good right now. I was in there just a few minutes ago cleaning up and moving things around, assembled the benches, put them into place and kind of moving some things around. And and I mean, I literally like, if you watched any of the video, there's like a table there it was a folding table um, in the garage. So I basically set that whole side of the garage up with two, um, you know, by 10 feet of wooden bench or that has all that stuff. So I did a six footer and a four footer and, and put them together kind of and blah, 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 blah. blah. But the reloading setup's getting put together, so I'm not kind of doing it ghetto the way I was. So I'm I'm ready to roll with that. Start doing. I I only do like the limited reloading, you know, because I mean factory ammo's been good. Although, like we said, with the Hornaday SDs, um, it's crazy. We went from like 12s and 15s to like 28s and 30s right now. I mean, there's this guys where I go, oh, everybody's shooting factory ammo. It's no problem. Handless. Yeah. There, there's discussions on the hide, and 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 this is kind of where I'm at. So, a couple places I've read, you know, the comp stuff and discussions like, you know, I don't like production class. Why do we have this tack class? What are we doing with this class? And it was kind of like some class arguments. And then I happened to notice, like, the Europeaners were having the same conversation in regards to production. And everybody's kind of like, well, you know, they, they're they producing, I don't know what they're doing Um, with these like production classes and the different, number one, the moment you put dollar value on anything, you fucked it up. If you say to somebody, I mean, and you know, like to me, this is the biggest, dumbest fucking idiot thing on the planet is the scope. Right, so they say in production class you can't have a good scope. You have to have a twenty five hundred, which is a good scope, but you have to have the scope less. Like you couldn't go out and buy a Zico or a Zeiss and put it on like the S five because it's too expensive. But if you're a man of means and they say, "Hey, production class is a twenty five hundred dollar gun," and say you get a Gap, you buy a Gap production gun in six GT. Well, now you got to put a lesser scope on it. Because there's a $5,000 minimum. Now, if you got a guy with a Tika who goes and says, hey, I want to do this. And then he looks at the rules and he starts reading things. And he says, wait a minute. The production class has a $5,000 fucking price tag on it. My gun costs me $800 and, you know, $500. So he's got a $1,300 gun. And you're telling him you can spend $5,000. He was never going to come. So there's these conversations were going on. And I went back, kind of re- rehashed, whatever you want to call it. And, and I went and started saying, you know, talking about like open and limited. And why not just have two classes and then have category underneath? 
you know, open is open and just put a slight, I mean, everything should have a weight limit to it. Put a weight limit, could be a high one on the open gun. And then just say any, any, whatever you bring, just it's a weight, right? We don't care with the open gun. It is what it is. Well, then have a limited. In the limited, you don't have to say Ruger RPR or this. And somebody said, get a box, like a handgun box, you know, get a box, gun fits in the box, you're good. Well, the only limiting factor is barrel. Let's be realistic here. Barrel length is the factor. If a guy shows up with a 16-inch barrel, he's not going to do as well as a guy with a 26-inch barrel. If a guy takes his factory Tika and rebarrels it to 28 inches and then smokes it and starts doing hand loads and all this stuff, he's going to be better than the guy with the factory Tika. We know these things. We know what causes good versus bad. It's so stupid. Like a scope, other than if it breaks or you pick the wrong reticle, isn't a good versus bad thing. It's irrelevant to even mention a scope in the competition especially a PRS type. So, right, we're talking about that. And it is getting contentious a little bit, but my thing is like, well, if we know the barrel is a deciding factor, right? Barrel says a lot. Well, the other thing that's the deciding factor is ammo. If you hand load something, if you're doing this and making it better, that's a factor. To me, hand loads are open Factory ammo is limited. It, you shouldn't say the production gun needs to be A, B, and C. You should say, because number one, you got to change a fucking barrel, especially today. If you got a six millimeter, I don't care if you bought a six millimeter RPR. If you say, I'm going to shoot a series this year, you burnt your barrel out. So you're going to designate a replacement barrel and not, and he's not going to go to Ruger for a new barrel. They don't sell them that I know of. He's got to get an aftermarket. So he goes to LRI and he has one made. So he just killed the whole production gun mindset right now, right? He came outside of it because he had to change his barrel. So why not just say you have to put a 26-inch barrel back or smaller? Can't go over 26-inch because that's a factory barrel right? There you go. It's that easy. Okay. Factory gun. I bought it. I bought an RPR. Okay. I shot it a season at local matches. I learned what I want. Now I want to do two day events and try to go to the finale. You changed your barrel, but now he's no longer in that thing. Well, which is silly. I mean, it's the off season. It's this, you guys are your own thing. It's not like you got the NRA over your head and you can go, Oh, I can't change that. It's mine. Dude, open and limited two things. That's it. And just tell them factory ammo and 26-inch barrel with a weight and just change the weight unlimited. Weight, because weight is stability, right? Barrel length, because barrels got to get changed. And factory ammo is your production class, is your limited. And that's it. Then if you want to go category A, B, C, however you want to do it, you could say product or you could say limited has junior women this or you could say no limited doesn't do junior limited this maybe limited does juniors and open does women right i mean there's so many ways of doing this easier simpler easier rules to deal with and then it it will level the playing field better rules are meant to level a field because we're shooting everybody together right 
Guy shows up first day, he can have a, a, a $525 Savage he bought 10 years ago. He can have a Vortex friggin' PST on it. He's now competing against the Vibberts and the Morgan Kings of the world. Okay, you have to do things to make him feel better about himself. Because when he leaves, he's going to feel like shit. So you try to balance things. It's not that you're trying to do something like production class. Well, you did. I mean, I guess you created a cottage industry with these bullshit lying, and then that bit you in the ass. The problem you had with two years in a row, production class got a fouls called and the winners didn't win. Well, he has a custom gun. Yeah, of course he does. What do you think a Gap production gun is? What do you think a Hancock is? They're a fucking trick. They just lowered the price to kind of get him in. Why? I think that's kind of, isn't there like a lottery system? He puts them like, because I wanted that Gap production gun. And when I popped over, it read like it's a lottery system. You have to wait by the computer. And they got everybody like on their fucking toes to like hit the button to say, get me one. Because they're not practical. They're kind of an inside joke. So anyway, but that's why I'm saying open and limited, open and uh, somebody who's nomad, somebody who's doing their own thing should really just try it. And I guarantee it works better. If you tell people open, limited factory ammo, do this and do that and tell everybody up front, I guarantee it works better, but I'm not doing it. I'm stepping back. I'm just going to point fingers at everybody and talk shit. That's it. So there you go. Somebody asked me, well, why do you care if you're, you're not even doing it? Because I said I'm ending after the match, the cup. Once the cup's over, I'm backing off and the whole thing. And it's like, well, why do you give a fuck what anybody does? Still a free country. It's like, dude, because I have vested interest because we helped start this shit. And you're turning it into a bunch of trash. You know what I mean? And that's why we have a vested interest in doing it. Because we've been doing it longer than any of you. And we started it. Derp, 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 derp. Or whatever freaking thing I'm supposed to hit. I don't know which one I want. I don't know which one. You're all a bunch of fucking idiots anyway. Fucking argue. Oh, why you going through that? I'm happy. And it was funny too because I said to him like, number one, the better shooters don't want you there. You're in the way. And they said it. They came right out and they're like, well, at least people should just go to one day matches and not the two days. The two days aren't for you. And it's like, really? Okay. Because two days used to be all we had. And now the two days are not for you. Don't show up. We don't want you. Mid-pack people pay the fucking bills, assholes. You know what I mean? It's like, two-day people. We don't know. But anyway, and it's like, go to one days. Yeah, one day should be the feeder series, but it's not designed like that right now. You didn't set up the feeder series up to the two days in the nationals. And so they're like, man, don't show up. And we don't want you there. And it's like, man, you guys are crazy. And then they, they turn around and it's just the same contrived shit. And they wonder why people are traveling out. For, I mean... If you notice, it went from Texas to the East Coast. Now it's going West. You know what I mean? It moves. It's always going to move. Texas was the place forever. Every match that was talked about. I mean, think about the Texas crowd, the Texas matches, what were going on, those guys in there. You know what I mean? There was a huge, huge, huge Texas contingent. Then it went East to the Southeast. Then it was the Floridas to Tennessees and all over there. Now it's traveling out of there and it's coming west. What do you hear about? You hear about everything out west because it's, it's where everybody's going and it's going to move from the east to the west. And it's always going it to move back east, but it's going to move again, which is why you should be kind of creating something that works for the entire country instead of having all these little fiefdoms 
you know, here's my fiefdom, here's my fiefdom, I'm going to samurai sword and cut your fucking head off if you come near me. It's like, oh, shit, sorry, dude. You know, who, 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 oh, wait a minute, you know, can't go near him, it's his. He, he didn't invent it, and he just showed up fucking two years ago, but, oh, he knows what, you know, like, oh, shit. You know, meanwhile, it's like, okay, and that's where they drive people out and run people out of the area and do the whole thing. But progress is moves and it just goes and goes and goes and goes so there you are so that's where it's going on you know what i mean and you know even like i read today i i was right before i came on i was flipping through facebook and chris made a post and he says oh i'm gonna go do i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna mix up my match so i go to a piece of this a piece of this a piece of this a piece of this and he was talking about how there's no like everybody's so individualized he can't do something like that where he can shoot NRL Hunter, PRS, uh, you know, competition dynamics and WICO and have them all work together because none of them do. So he basically has to have a model to say, I want a trophy from here, here, here and here. And that's really all I can do because doing all those doesn't kind of funnel him to an end goal. You know, like a finale is what he's talking about, you know, because it's all a bunch of individuals. You know what I mean? It's the greed that turns us into individuals that says, that's my fiefdom. That's my fiefdom. You know, I'm going to warlord with you. You're going to warlord with me and we're going to hate each other and not do this shit. Meanwhile, everybody, like I said, a while ago, we can have a fucking summit. Everybody sit down, say what works, what's not, where's the arguments, what's going on. Hey man, why don't we unify this place? And even if you're doing your own thing and you're doing anything, the the underlying admin kind of part or part of these rules complement each other. You know, even if one says you're deploying on the clock and the other one says, I don't care, that's fine. But you can look at times, scorings, different things that they complement each other and then be able to say, because it's all the same, to be able to say at the end, why don't we have something big here that feeds everybody where my winners and this winners can all participate together and go do this. And whoever happens to be the overhead, I mean, it, we turn it around. One year there's one in friggin' Southeast, one year there's one in the West, one year there's one in the middle. I mean, every year you could pick a, a match director and say, you're this year, they're that year and change it up. And, and But nobody wants to do shit because everybody wants their own. It's my money. It's mine, 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 mine. You didn't, well, you weren't, where were you when we started? Oh, mine, mine, mine. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, dude. Oh, so you're making a little money now and now you like it and you don't want to give it up. I get it. And that's usually what happens, man. It all comes down to the almighty dollar. I mean, all this shit is money, 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 money. Even the fucking scams they pull on us here is is money. So anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. I'm going to be coming at you guys every couple days, hitting you up, giving you my thoughts, pissing people off doing all those things that certain people hate and other people like because that's life. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's the intro, not the outro. Man, I'm all screwed up today. I got no clue. I can put it all in and then I can hit every button.